0: Welcome to the You podcast, where key industry leaders provide education and inspiration. Here's your host, Dr. Kathy Gosser, the director of the Yum! Center for Global Franchise Excellence at the University of Louisville.
1: Well, today I have with me Jana Bailey. Jana is the CEO of FranNet. And you may ask, what is FranNet? Well, FranNet is an organization of franchise experts, consultants, and brokers, and what they do is they match potential franchisees with franchisors. But Jana has been with FranNet for 15 years, and under her leadership, FranNet has experienced incredible growth. Jana has over 30 years of experience in the franchise industry. She has worked both on the supplier side in banking, as well as for a franchisee, and of course, now with FranNet. She's also served on the IFA's Executive Board of Directors, and she received the very prestigious IFA Bonnie Levine Award for her many contributions to the industry and her growth and development of professional women. So Jana, it is a delight to have you today, and would you mind telling us a little bit more about you?
0: Thank you, Kathy. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, you covered my background. I came from commercial lending in the banking industry. So I tell people my whole career has really been focused in working with people that want to go in business or supporting people already in business. So it's been um, an interesting path. Um, FranNet is a 34-year-old company that I joined, as you said, about 15 years ago. And we've gone through massive changes in that 15 years. Um, FranNet has uh, currently a relationship with a little over 200 brands. So, And we have um, multiple offices throughout the U.S., Canada, and Germany.
1: It is pretty large. I, I definitely know that. So let's go a little bit deeper into the franchise model and your learnings. So you've actually, as I mentioned earlier, been a service provider to a franchisee to where you are now. Can you talk to us about your experience working um, with a franchisee? And so particularly what you learned there that brought you to your current role?
0: Well, that was definitely a learning opportunity about the industry. I thought I knew a lot about franchising, having been a banker, but I was working with a regional owner of multiple states. So I was the support person um, and, you know, had a team with me, but I also oversaw the development side. So I really got an inside look because those regional owners act almost as a mini franchise or. if if you break it down, because it was a three-tier system. So it was uh, a lot of fun, a lot of learning opportunities, because we had to have our own operations manuals, as it might be, for the franchisees that joined under our umbrella. We did the training of the stylist, because it was a hair care concept. And, you know, I did a lot of owner's trainings and owner's uh, sessions, everything from how to understand a p to what sorts of uh, metrics they should be tracking and what that told them and how to be comfortable sharing that data within the region so we could all be better. Um, but that learning, and, and it was just so all-encompassing of the business model of franchising, as well as um, when I left that regional owner, I went to work for the corporate headquarters and um, worked with them. So that was a, a big opportunity. So again, I think that insight into what the business was all about in franchising and the the depth of what a franchise model really offered an individual was so helpful for what I do now.
1: You know, it's interesting when you mentioned it's a hair it was a hairstylist franchisee. And so I had a friend that actually bought into a hairstylist franchisee as well. And one of his big issues was the fact that if they were shorthanded, he couldn't jump in because he didn't know how to style hair. And he had come from the restaurant business where he could jump in and help whenever. Did Just curious, did you ever find that to be an issue or maybe you know how to style hair?
0: No, I do not know how to style hair. Um, I, I did become um, a volunteer for a lot of their Uh, tests and shows, which was an interesting journey in and of itself, that no, we actually found that the owners that had hair background, that had been stylists, were handicapped in that they were very comfortable jumping in and doing hair, they were very comfortable coloring and doing terms, they weren't not as comfortable running the business, So we focused on a manage the manager concept where we wanted an owner with solid business uh, skills that could manage those numbers, could be recruiting for new stylists, could be overseeing the marketing. And that owner needed a strong manager of the salon that could jump in and do hair when needed.
1: How interesting because... I know that that has occurred in the restaurant business, where oftentimes it's difficult for people who are proficient in one area to jump out of that and be the leader. So how interesting that in the hairstyling, it's the same impact. huh?
0: We've been told by lots of franchisors, they don't want people with their specific industry background because they bring with them the, we did it this way (sighs) attitude, and they're less likely to follow the system as outlined by the franchisor. So we tell people you don't need that industry experience. What you need is that solid business background, and it may be managing people, it may be marketing, it may be sales, whatever that franchisor says are the skill sets needed to be an effective owner.
1: Oh, that's fascinating. But, you know, it really makes sense because I know that oftentimes some, I've heard people say, well, we don't really want to hire someone with ex, with a lot of experience because they may bring their bad habits to us. Mm-hmm. And of course, within the franchise model, it's important that you follow the operational standards set forth by the franchisor in order to maintain that consistency. Oh, that's interesting. So, Jana, what was the best part about working for a franchisee?
0: I think for me, it was the learning opportunity. I did enjoy the franchise development side of that business and um, taking people through the learning process about the franchise and then offering them license and bringing them in. I also really enjoyed going out in the field and visiting the salons and getting to know the owners and the managers and the stylists. Um, Those were the days that really made me smile when I could go in and visit with them. And I've been known to grab a broom and sweep up hair or be in the back folding up towels or wiping down the, the product shelves while I was there. But to me, that was where I really thrived and enjoyed every day.
1: I can totally relate to that. So <laughs> then you went to work for the franchisor and now you are also the CEO of a franchisor since FranNet has many franchisees around the country and the world, as you mentioned. So what's the best part about working for a franchisor or leading a franchisor?
0: Um, In this position, I feel like all of the training I've had through the years, both from my banking background as well as working for the regional owner, you know, franchisee and the franchisor has come into play because I get to use that history and that learning in this job. Um, I think what I enjoyed the most here is definitely the opportunity to see all the different brands that come through. That's pretty exciting um, because we look at, i don't know 2 300 brands a year probably and as we're looking at them sometimes you'll have yourself go wow who would have thought of that or who would have thought that would be you know something that would be successful it's also fun to me to see what people gravitate to um I have learned I cannot predict like I thought I could, because there'll be one come through that I'm like, this is great. Everybody's going to love it. And it'll set on the shelf and not get a lot of traction. And others that I'm like, eh, I don't know about. It just flies out. You know, it's it's invoices going left and right. So it really is something that depends upon the individual broker consultant and their area and what they know will fit there. And with us having you know, nationwide in Canada and Germany, you can't predict what will do well in all of those markets. So it's uh, it, it's been fun. It's been a lot of fun. And I've made a lot of friends through the years.
1: I can imagine. All right. Now, Tana, you can't just tease that out, not give us some specifics. So tell us about a couple of new franchises that have just fascinated you.
0: Well, you know, historically, what we would say, and this was one thing that always held true, is anything that involves with seniors, helping seniors, you know, stay at home or non-medical assistance, those type things always do real well. Anything with pets and kids. So that was kind of the three. Those three were staples you were always going to have. And one of those, and you and I both are pet people, but um, is a new brand that we're working with called Pet Bar. And I'm absolutely over the moon about this one because it is a self service as well as professional. Full grooming concept. Now, here's what's unique, Kathy. Just like a lot of the exercise franchises, it's a monthly subscription and you can go in as many times as you want for different services. You know, like some have a limit, but others are unlimited. So it is for pet people like us. This thing has just blown up in terms of the acceptance. So that's a great one. One that always makes me smile is something called junk luggers. Junk Lovers is a brand that comes and gets the junk and hauls it off. Oh, wow. In terms of, I just went through a downsizing. We went from a very large home to a a patio home, and there was lots of stuff that I wanted to give away, get rid of, get out. And it's very difficult even to donate some things and then to get them to come get it. Well, junk pluggers will come pick up your junk and either take it to recycling places or they will take it to the donation sites for you. So that's been a big one. Um, Another one that I just makes me smile every time I think about it is monster tree service. One you wouldn't have thought about Uh professional tree services. Now, most of the times when you've had to have people come trim your trees or get rid of a stump it's a local person not very professional a lot of times well franchising solves that you know you've got the professionals come in that are in uniforms and very well trained so they're doing great and the last one you're going to get a real kick out of this because this is one of those why didn't I think of that Uh it's something called red box now let me tell you about red box you know they're still building in our subdivision so there are dumpsters where they're putting the trash at the end of the day from the construction site well with red box they would also have attached to that a portable bathroom (laughs) it's all one unit so think about it because out here they actually have the outdoor bathrooms for the workers but with red box they set one unit down it's the bathroom and the dumpster and it's hauled in and hauled out together. I mean, why didn't we think of that? Can you imagine?
1: That's smart, because it's just one call. You don't have to call two different vendors. Exactly. Ah, that is good. You know, those are things that you would never think of. And I just can't quit thinking about Pet Bar because it's a takeoff of the Dry Bar franchise. But Pet Bar, how smart is that? Exactly. (laughs) You're right, why didn't we think of that? That would have been really something. But I do think you're right, the pet industry, seniors and children also continue to be Mm -hmm. those sectors that people are gravitating toward. Seems like there's been a lot of that as well. So why do you think, um, Janet? why do you really think the franchise model has been so effective during recent years?
0: Well, the, the thing that's always made franchising strong is the idea of people have a system to follow. They're not having to reinvent the wheel. I was on another um, session this week and and actually an interview with an editor of a magazine and was talking about franchising and why it works. And when you get down to it, when you look at the failure rate of starting from scratch versus the failure rate in franchising, you would wonder why anybody would try to go start from scratch. The whole idea of all of the bumps in the road have been smoothed out for you. The systems have been put in place, best practices have been implemented, and you don't have to sweat that part of a startup. So that in and of itself has always been the strength. And I think more and more people, especially as they're coming out of corporate America and not knowing what they might want to do, franchising can fill that role. They don't have to have the great idea. They just have to find the franchise that's the best fit for them.
1: You know, as I'm teaching that to the undergraduate students right now, we have a course in franchising, and it's interesting because some of them have stated, well, I don't really want to follow someone else's rules, but I don't think they understand you're still going to run your own business. But that business model, just as you've described, all the operational standards and policies, all the best practices have been ferreted out for you already, and you have a wonderful network of resources in your fellow franchisees who are there to help you. because. Everyone wants everyone to win in this model.
0: Yeah, the saying, of course, our industry loves is you're in business for yourself, but not by yourself. Exactly. Oh, I love that. It's true. And it's so true.
1: So speaking of which, what are franchisors looking for today in potential franchisees?
0: Well, the big one, and you just, the the person you just mentioned would not be a fit (laughs) is someone willing to follow a system. Right. And, you know, they have to be self-motivated and uh, get up every day excited about what they're doing. But the, the biggest thing is not trying to reinvent the wheel, going in and following the system and following best practices, being a team player within the franchise family, not trying to be you know the dominator or the naysayer about everything. So that's who they're looking for. They're looking for that person that comes in and embraces the system and embraces the organization and is proud to be a part of that.
1: Sounds pretty simple, but I also know that at FranNet, you have a pretty extensive assessment that you provide to potential franchisees so they can understand a little bit about themselves as well as understand what type of franchise would work best for them. Would you mind talking a little bit about that assessment?
0: Sure, that's a lot of fun for us because as I said earlier, you know, FrankNet is 34 years old and that assessment's probably 30 plus years old. Uh, obviously it's been renewed and re, you know, revisited and updated along the way. But the way it came about was our founder, Howie Basick, was one of those people who was just very intuitive about people. And he could sit down with you and through a series of questions, really get a feel for what was important to you, where your strengths were, what were the things you wanted to avoid. And he would then match them with franchise opportunities. But when he started growing FranNet and adding people, people were like, that's great, but we really need something more systematic. We need a tool because not all of us are as intuitive as Howie was. So that's how our product came about. Um, They worked with an outside source to put together this profile. And so for 30 plus years, it has been our guiding light in getting to the core. I tell people our assessment similar to a Myers-Briggs or a DISC, but different in that we're trying to get into your values. What are those things that are the most important to you? What are those aspects of a business that would make you happy. So I tell people we're getting into your head, but also your heart. And in doing so, that gives us a groundwork for more questions we'll ask, but it helps us start that process of the guidance toward brands that would be a better fit for you.
1: I think that's really important because if you think about it for many people, this is their lifetime investment, lifetime savings going into this franchise. And they really want to make sure it's something that fits them and -hmm. the franchisor wants to make sure as well. So it's a really good service that you provide to make sure that partnership is the right one. Conversely, what are some of the barriers for people who want to become franchisees?
0: Well, a big one is money, you know, and it's like, that's the other thing that we do is help people look at things that are within their budget, Um, As you know, franchising, you've got some that will have an investment level of $25,000 all the way up to multi-million. So finding that segment where they can comfortably invest and not be stretching their assets to the point that if it doesn't work, they're wiped out. So you want to be sure people are looking at that. So that's a big barrier. Mm -hmm. Um, The other is not locking in on a concept and that being the only one you're willing to look at. Because just like a young brand, it may be sold out in your area, but they're not willing to relocate. Well, they could wait a lifetime plus to get an opportunity in their market. So they shouldn't come into looking at franchising already locked and loaded for what they want to do because A, it may not be available and B, it could very well be a bad fit for them.
1: Oh, that's a really good point. Because You're right. Relocation today is is not what it used to be. It seems that people were happy to relocate years ago, and now I don't really think that's the case as much. So being locked in could definitely be a barrier. A little bit more about this model. And if you step back and you think about one of your folks has become a franchisee of of a franchisor, what best practices do you see franchisors demonstrating to really provide support to their franchise system?
0: That's a good one. And that's one of the things that we scream for when we're looking at brands, we want to be sure they have a team in place to support those franchisees. Um, you know, a younger brand won't have quite the, the bench depth that a more mature legacy brand has, but they've got to have the basics covered. They need to have someone that is going to be in the field from time to time supporting those franchisees. They need to have a good, solid training program that helps them understand the system, the ins and the outs and the what are the critical parts They need to have a support team atmosphere that allows the franchisees to bubble up best practices and have a continuing growth attitude within the organization. So I look for within their management team, do they have franchise experience? Because having been in non-franchise businesses and being exposed to that, this is a unique model. And just because you were really good at running a XYZ type business doesn't mean you can be a good franchise or so they need to have someone with experience in franchising. If they're a young brand, Um, if they're a more mature brand, obviously they've got the experience under their belt. So those are just some of the things we look for. Do they have the right support and do they have that servant attitude towards those franchisees and not see them as a nuisance and an aggravation? but instead recognize that they are the lifeline of the growth and continued success of the franchisor.
1: You know, that's interesting you should say that because I have seen brands turn around by changing that mindset, by Mm -hmm. looking at franchisees as we need to make sure they're successful and provide the support we need to really accelerate their growth and their success. And what a difference that has made! That's great. We've talked about following the rules, but what else can franchisees do to be just great partners for a brand?
0: Um, I think continually looking for that that next step in their development. Um, I believe in lifelong learning. So even the things that aren't available in your franchise system research and find out what the current business books are. You know, have placed people you network with that are outside your particular business that will stretch your mind and get you to look at things from a different standpoint. So just continuing to improve yourself and look for ways to improve your team. Um, those those are the things that really make the strong franchisees in a system.
1: I agree with that, as well as the strong franchisees I had the luxury of working with really helped provide their best practices and what they did that helped them be more successful. They shared that with the entire system. So that collective learning and those collective experiences really
0: made a difference. I agree. That's that's so important. So, you know, Jana, you are always
1: on a podcast, a webinar conference. Actually, you helped create a portion of our boot camp at University of Louisville. You teach a week of it. You are one involved professional. So what are your suggestions for those wanting to get involved in the franchise model? Maybe they're with a franchisee or a franchisor, or maybe they just want to get started. So what suggestions would you have for people to get involved?
0: That's a good one. Um, Look for ways to network with others in the industry, in the franchise industry. Uh, For me, it was the IFA, you know, becoming a part of the IFA. And when I joined the IFA, and I'll never forget it, um, one of the ladies there that was overseeing some of the committees and the programming, i I went up to her and said, I want to get involved. What do you recommend? And she just kind of grinned like another one. But, you know, then it was asking those questions of others. And I found my way to a committee. And by working on that committee, I got to network with a smaller group of people within the IFA. And then when I went to the uh, annual conventions, I would have a a, goal of so many new people that I'm going to connect with while I'm here, collect business cards, set up follow-up calls. Networking within our industry opens so many doors for everyone and the support and being willing to share with them. I think a lot of the larger markets have the franchise business network meetings. We don't have that here in Louisville, but in a lot of the larger markets, they have that. They may meet quarterly, some meet monthly. They also have groups called the Women's Franchise Network in some of the larger markets. So anything like that that allows you to network within the industry is going to open you up for opportunities later on to participate, to speak, to be a part of a panel. The more people you know and the more they get to know you and your areas of expertise, the more doors that open.
1: You know, that's so true. It's sometimes as simple as show up. And, and be present. But the networking term frightens many people because networking sounds very difficult, but the way you've described it is it's just meeting people and volunteering to serve on committees. And I don't know about you, Jana, but I have never had anyone turn down, turn me down when I've asked to volunteer or serve on a committee. They're all looking for extra, extra brain power, extra hours of help. And so I'm, I'm sure you have experienced the same.
0: It is, I think for those of us that have that tendency to raise our hand a lot, we do have to be careful at some point. We haven't raised it one too many times. So, you know, that's the challenge at some point. But in the beginning, I'd say keep your hand up constantly, volunteering and offering to to be a part and to help.
1: And then you will end up, if you keep raising your hand, you will end up like the two of us who have done it a little too much at this point. So um, I definitely can relate to that. So gosh, Jana, we've learned so much from you today, understanding what Frenet's about and that there are organizations like yours that really help make sure that a potential franchisee finds um, their best match. Also, we're looking for people who want to follow a model, but also want to start with a model in place. Um, Your background is just phenomenal and your willingness to share all of your learnings and expertise is so appreciated. So I'm going to end with one last question. Is there anything you wish you had known when you entered franchising?
0: Wow. Um, I wish, I wish I had realized the full depth of the industry. In the beginning, I was very focused just on our brand and doing a lot of work within our brand and our, you know, our company, both regionally and nationally. And I'd missed out on the IFA. For many years. I knew about it. I might attend some um, seminars occasionally or go to an event, but I really wasn't plugged in. And I did that when I joined FranNet. I told the the owners and the board at that time, that was one of my commitments to them to to give FranNet brand, make it more a part of the industry and raise awareness about us. So that opened my eyes and opened opportunities for me and for our brand. So I think for those that are newer in the industry, I can't stress enough how much it means to just get involved. Thank you.
1: I could not agree more. So thank you so much, uh, Jana Bailey. It was wonderful to have you on this podcast and we wish you well.
0: Thanks, Kathy. Franchise U is brought to you by the YUM Center for Global Franchise Excellence at the University of Louisville. For more information on the center, visit business.louisville.edu slash YUMCGFE. Thank you for listening to Franchise U.